Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Uh, Welcome to my iHeart listeners, my Waxy listeners, and also to all of those who catch it on podcasts. Thank you so much for listening each week. And today I bring you another great guest who it's such a coup that I got this guest to be on the show today. John David Mann, one of my favorite people in the world, the one I look most forward to seeing his name in my inbox because just reading his emails give me total joy. So, John, you are calling in from Florida, which, yay, but on the other coast. And (laughs) you and my other favorite person in the world, Bob Berg, just released The Go-Giver Leader, a little story about what matters most in business. And my big question to you is this. What matters most in business? (laughs) (laughs) The one thing. Lean in, everybody, closely, because the next 15 seconds... Is going to reveal the secret of all secrets. Now, that, that's, a, that's a good question. The most important, so in this book, The Go-Giver Leader, what we're putting in as, what we're putting forth as the most important thing, what matters most in business, is, I guess I'd say, that you don't get too carried away with yourself. <laughs> that you always, uh, no matter what success you have and what position of leadership you, you, uh, you accrue and, and what kind of station you have and visibility you have and power you might you know, come by, that you always keep your focus on service to others because, and on benefit to others, value to others, not because it's a noble thing or a nice thing or a philanthropic thing, but because it's a practical thing. It keeps perspective. It keeps you from falling into the trap that so easily occurs for anybody in a very successful position. They start thinking they're the deal, and they trip themselves up. It, you know, ego is such a huge play in the business world. I mean, we hear about it all the times, like that one head of the pharmaceutical company who felt his stuff was better than anybody else and jacked the price up so high that yeah. nobody could even remotely begin to buy the drug that he needed, yeah. and, and it shot it down. That's the opposite side of the spectrum. Are, are you talking more about servant leadership or some other kind of leadership? You know, in a sense, yes. Um, you know, we use the phrase giving leadership, and it's both a verb and a noun, because you know, giving leadership is something you do when you, when you go to the people in your organization and you ask their view and you actually listen. You're giving them leadership, in a sense. When you have lieutenants that you trust, when you look for, for your replacements, your uh, your understudies, and you actually promote others to high positions. You're giving leadership away, and that's an important thing. But it's also a kind of leadership, like servant leadership, like you said. So it is it is kind of like servant leadership, what we're talking about. It's a very similar thing, but it's kind of tricky because it's not like ego is a bad thing. And, in fact, ego is a great thing. And to be a successful leader on any scale, in any context... You need to trust yourself. You need to have a high opinion of your own opinion. So it isn't, you know, becoming a selfless person, becoming a doormat, becoming somebody who just abases himself in the service of others. You don't want to, you know, tip the pendulum all the way in that direction either. It's really a matter of balance. It's both trusting yourself and also not trusting yourself entirely, trusting others, listening to other voices and keeping it all in perspective. 
And that sounds like an awful lot of stuff that a leader has to be thinking about all at the same time. I have to trust myself, but not trust myself too much. I I need to yep. be a giver leader, but I also need to take charge in some ways. I need to be humble, yet I have to be confident. So can we step back one second and talk about one thing that I think is important to define? Can you define humble to me? Sure. In your context. Um, humble, and, and, and of course, and I know you know this, we do talk about this in the book, we talk about the word humility and what it, what it really means and, and how it's often mistaken. I mean, there is often a sort of concept that being humble or having humility uh, means putting yourself below, you know, groveling, putting yourself below others, uh, not being sure of yourself, uh, not having a very strong opinion, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not at all what the word really means. So the way we talk about humility is kind of remembering your roots, remembering where you came from, remembering that we're all people, remembering that whatever my situation might be currently, there was a time when someone needed to change my diapers. <laughs> but sort of keeping, keeping yourself in perspective and not taking yourself too seriously, that's being humble. But it doesn't contradict having strong self-confidence. You know, and leadership in business in, on any level is about self-confidence. It's about doing something first that others haven't done yet. It's about taking a stand that no one else has really taken yet. It's about going in a direction that others haven't thought of or haven't had the courage to try or haven't taken the risk to try or, or simply didn't see was there. It's about going first, like Star Trek, going boldly where no one's gone before. That's the definition of a leader. You can't do that without some strong sense of self-confidence and belief in your passion. You can do that and still at the same time retain that sense of humility. I mean, you're so right. You said it's balance. And, and that's what, to me, that's what makes leadership such a challenge. It's maintaining that balance of, of right and left hands, of confidence and humility, of taking charge, but also giving charge to others. I mean, we talk about giving leadership in the book, but it's not like we're saying taking leadership is necessarily a bad thing. Um, I mean, I wrote a book called Take the Lead. <laughs> uh, Great so book, by it, the way. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, so, yeah, taking leadership, taking charge, grabbing the reins when it's necessary, when the horse is a, run, you know, is, is a runaway horse, when the carriage is going to crash. Um, it's a valuable thing. It's a powerful thing. It's just, again, a question of balance. So it sounds like there, you're saying that one of the things that, go-giver leaders are and exceptional leaders are, are leaders who know when they need to be taking charge and saying, here's the direction we're going. And they also know how to listen to and feel the pulse of what's happening so that if they need to, they can shift and groom those that maybe have more knowledge or are the better leader for a particular portion of the company or that task. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah, you said it really well. I don't think you need me. You can just talk about this, Laura. <laughs> um, that's exactly right. And you know, it's funny cause it sounds so simple when you say it, it, it just feels like, of course you've got to trust yourself, but also listen to the wise counsel of the people around you. Yeah. It's like, Okay, there's nothing radical or revolutionary about that, but it's 
so easy to lose sight of once everything is in motion, once the thing is happening, once you're in the business or the organization and it's facing challenges and it's going, you know, at look at these split down the road. Um, and here we are in the silly season, presidential primaries, general election coming up. So, you know, we're, we're, the news cycle is constantly dominated by, by candidates for positions of very high leadership in the land. But leadership is happening everywhere. I mean, it's happening in, within our families, in our social groups, in our businesses, in our, in our everything. Um, it, it's a constant phenomenon in, in any human, human interaction humor interaction in any humor interaction any well that too inter- yeah, that's also too much. <laughs> you have to take charge uh, of the yeah. stage when you're doing stand-up comedy <laughs> i mean it's it, yeah it's it's really everywhere and this here's this funny the funny thing about but leadership is that as you start to have success which which means you know others are following you as you start to generate a gravitational field and you're going in a certain direction you're taking initiative and others are following so now you're not only taking leadership, but also it's occurring to you by, by others because you're getting followers. As that happens, you generate this kind of gravitational field, almost like a spinning particle. And it's, you know, it's that famous uh, aphorism, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I, I don't know if that's entirely true. I, I'm not sure that power necessarily corrupts, but it does pull at you really strongly. It does generate a, a confusing influence. Um, it, what it does is it tends to corrupt your perspective. Uh, it tends to make you think you're more important uh, than everybody else, or at least everybody else right around you. Even if you're a wonderful person, it's just it's a it's a natural effect of having people following what you're doing. And I think uh, whether that... whether you're I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, we're, we're about to go into commercial break, but you know that you talk about that concept so beautifully in the book where it's, you know, and the show is called It's All About the Questions because for me, questions keep you grounded. Yeah. If you're willing to listen for the answer that you don't want to hear. And, right. and you talk about it so eloquently in the book, you and Bob Berg, how a true leader, if they have that power, you, they are remaining hugely humble where they're remembering where they came from and that they don't know everything. Yes. And when hugely we, humble. And when we come back from the commercial break, we're going to talk more with John David Mann, author of The Go-Giver Leader, a little story about why it matters most in business. And we're going to be talking about the five laws. We'll be right back. John, you created your own high school while you were in high school. You led a sales team, a a large corporation with over 100,000 sales people to tens of million dollars in revenue. You are a concert cellist. You've written multiple New York Times bestsellers. I think I've read almost all of them. I I have the second Brandon Webb book, but not haven't finished reading it yet. You've really, I believe, been practicing the five laws of of legendary leadership, the five keys to legendary leadership your whole life. So what made you guys finally put everything down in writing? Or do do you not think that doing all those things, you were actually refining the five keys? (laughs) 
I'm, I, I will say this. I, it, it's, uh, and this is not no false humility. Isn't that process of discovery the whole way along? I never knew what I was doing. I never, <laughs> I never had uh, a plan. And, and you know, it, it, it feels like by the time I hit about 50 years old, I was starting to think, okay, maybe I have a sense of, of what I'm here to do. Uh, so yeah, I have gone through a lot of different careers. Um, and it always sort of felt like there there wasn't really much of a roadmap, uh, although I enjoyed them all. So I, I guess I've been kind of developing roadmaps or, or working at developing roadmaps my whole life. Uh, I, I love I love taking complicated situations or taking uh, you know sort of life as it presents itself and and trying to sort of pierce the veil to get to what are the underlying key principles? What are the simple uh, laws operating. It's, just, it's, a, it's a fascination I've always had. Probably it's a musician's fascination of finding the harmony underneath underneath the flurry. Um, but yeah, those those five, I, I will say that uh, those five keys have been, for me, I mean, Bob and I came to each from my own experience, but for me, they've been things I've, I've been kind of developing and working on for for decades until we got to this point of sitting down and saying, hey, let's write this book. You know, as I, as I was reading it, as I've gone through my career, I've known you guys for a lot, a lot of years now. I was l- listing them, right? So you've got hold the vision, build your people, do the work, stand for something, and practice giving leadership. And we talked a little bit about giving leadership already today. This is probably going to sound like an unusual question, but why the order that you put these in? Uh, that's, that's, it's no one's asked that one. I like that. <laughs> to me, I'll say the, these five keys, and, and any listeners who've read uh, the, sort of the first book, The Go-Giver, which, which preceded this book, will know that that book was based on this idea of five laws of stratospheric success. These five keys, legendary leadership we call them, they're, they're not exactly the same, but they're, they're similar in a way. First of all, it's a set of five. And it's sort of like four fingers and a thumb. You know, the fifth one is the one that makes the other four work. So there's a logic to the one, two, three, four, and then the five. Um, but so maybe can I just go through them real, real briefly, and you'll see the logic of it. The first is hold division. And that's something I've seen, you know, I learned from my father. My father was a choral conductor, and I... I, I played underneath him or under him in, in his orchestra in, uh, in, different, in different seasons. And I remember looking up at him and, and knowing that he was communicating with every musician in the choir, in the orchestra, uh, individually, but also had the whole thing in his head. He knew exactly where it was all going. He knew what the end of the piece sounded like, what the beginning of the piece sounded like. He was a musicologist. He knew who had written it. He knew when they wrote it. He knew why they wrote it. He knew how they wrote it. He had the whole picture in his head. And I, I think that's something that, um, again, it's like balance. It's easy to talk about, but it's also easy to lose track of when, when you're in the thick of things. You mentioned the business of 100,000 salespeople, independent distributors in this organization that I was at the head of. Boy, did I ever see that in operation. It's so easy to lose the vision of where we're going or what we're doing, to get so wrapped up in the particulars of my job, my task, my challenges today. We saw that in starting the high school. You know, we hired a, uh, a, a an adult. We were all teenagers at the time starting the school. We hired an adult to be our director, to work with us, to be our team leader. And I used to watch him. I mean, he caught the vision of the school. 
he was able to go speak to groups to carry it. I did the same thing. I, I, would, I would carry that, that uh, picture of what we were doing to groups. But also, uh, every morning, I would, when I would go to his house and go in, he'd be sitting in the kitchen. He'd already have a shopping bag full of typed, stamped, enveloped letters that were all fundraising letters for our school that he'd done before breakfast. I mean, he, that's, that's the third key, do the work. Um, it's, it's easy to hold the vision. In one sense, it's easy to do the grunt work, the nitty-gritty, the nuts and bolts that, that an organization requires. But having your hand in both of those, that's an exceptional leader. Um, so, so key one and key three, uh, those to me are like the big view and the, the ground view, the, the uh, 30,000 feet perspective and the at-your-ankles perspective. And, and I, I think a, a good, a great leader has to be able to see both and have both in mind. Number two is the one that comes in between the big view and the small view, and that's the people. Um, the people are the fabric of the business. Number two is build your people. And what that means is that whatever business you're in, whatever goal your organization has, whatever the, the, the stuff is of your organization, it's fundamentally about the people. Um, there was this wonderful uh, uh, article in The Economist last week that put out a survey of corporation, corporate leaders and employees about what they thought the employees would want more of most. And the things that the, that the corporate leaders thought employees wanted most was more financial support and more logistic and technical support. <laughs> that was what they wanted least. What the employees wanted most was, they said, more emotional intelligence and more leadership at the top. I mean, it's just opposite points of view. So being in connection with the people of the organization, what they want, what they need, what they're after, what fulfills them, why they're here, uh, that's just so crucial to be in touch with. Uh, to me, those three keys, the big vision, the ground-level nuts-and-bolts vision, and contact with people, understanding the people of, of the group. That's, uh, those are the, the ABCs of, of leadership. And, and these are not things that are you do one, then you do the other, then you do the third. It sounds like you're, you're doing them all, perhaps you, but you have the vision first for what's going on, and then, but you get the vision from actually doing the work first, because how can you have a vision without having some concept about what, that's going to look like in the real world. You know, it's, it's a funny thing. In, in, the, in the real world, there are often leaders who, are, who have a strength in one area but not the others, um, or, or maybe one or two areas. There are leaders who are great at sketching out the bold vision, the long-distance term, who are articulate, who are powerfully persuaded, and give a great talk, but aren't very warm and cuddly. And, 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 and warm and cuddly isn't even the point aren't very personable and, and have some difficulty connecting with people. That's just, you know, the truth of things. Um, there are people who are great at people, <laughs> at the people thing, but, but are you know, not so good when it comes to the nuts and bolts. Uh, you know, there have been, we're in presidential season, there have been presidents who had phenomenal grasp of details, of technical details of the economy, of foreign policy, and so forth, um, but who weren't so great at, at, at articulating that in a bold vision that people could see. That's key number one. The and, the, and then, because we're about to go to news, 
when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about that. And it sounds like a lot of it is about building the right team. So a really great leader understands what they're good at, what they're not, and then fills in the gaps. All right, we'll be right back with more from John David Mann after the news break. Remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? Tweet out to at the Laura Stewart, and we've got at John David Mann. Those are our Twitter handles. Let us know what you're thinking about the show today and share your questions. We'll be right back. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. And in case you're just joining us here on the air at iHeartRadio or Waxy FM, or, you know, you just somehow started the podcast halfway through, we're talking with John David Mann, the other half of the writing team of The Go-Giver Leader with Bob Berg. And before the break, John, we were talking about the five keys to legendary leadership. You laid out Hold the Vision build your people, do the work. And there's there's two more, but we got into a conversation about teams and that as a leader, one of the things you have to do is really develop your teams, which is part of build the people, but also you have to, as a leader, know your strengths and weaknesses. Can you elaborate more on that? Sure, sure. In, so in the book, in the story, there are, you know, aside from the, the hero, the, the main character who's, who's trying to learn these, these five keys, although he doesn't have them by name, there are a series of leaders in the company that he goes to visit. And, and each of them, it turns out, sort of represent a different facet of leadership, one of these five keys. And he later likens it to that old, old uh, legend about the, the five blind men trying to describe an elephant. You know, one feels the legs and one feels the side and one feels the trunk and, and so forth. And so they all describe it differently. They're all aspects or facets of leadership. And, and we, we did that because that's kind of how things are in real life. I mean, in the ideal world, you would take these five keys to leadership and you would yourself exemplify all five of them beautifully. But we're all people with our characters and our personalities and our strengths and weaknesses. So you, you'll have some, some people will naturally be more, uh, they'll be good at, at one aspect of these, like build your people. They'll be very personable people, people. They will love to, to build up others around them. While others may be, you know, it, I won't go through them all, but you know, it, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. So I think that to be an effective leader, you want to do two things. You, number one, you need to know all these facets, understand them all, even if you're not good at them all, at least have an appreciation and grasp of them. And that's why the book is there. Number two is is where your strengths aren't so strong is you need, obviously, people around you who, who, are, who are strong in those areas. This is one of the oldest truisms of leadership. You know, supplement your weaknesses with people of those strengths and do that with your, you know, cabinet if you're a president, with your advisors if you're a CEO, just with your friends if you're just in, you know, we all have leadership positions in one way or another. So we're always looking out to, to see strengths in others that complement our own deficiencies. Um, and I think that that tends to happen naturally, but the more we're conscious of it, aware of it, and, and, and deliberate about it, I think that the more it, it, uh, it puts us in a, in a position of being able to do a better job, basically, where we are. Now, you've spent a large portion of your career in very collaborative environments, yeah. uh, either as a concert cellist, as um, you know, running this, being the head of a very large organization with people who have a lot of their own ideas on how to do things. 
um, and you write books with people. I mean, I I was shocked the other day. I hadn't realized that you co-wrote The Slight Edge with Jeff Olson, sure. which is a book that's been recommended to me for years that I should read it. And I finally bought it and I was reading it. And all of a sudden, something made me go look at the cover because it's something that I read in there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, John David Mann. No, <laughs> no wonder I, I love this book so much. But, you know, even your books with Brandon Webb, a Navy SEAL, a sniper, you know, the the red line and, and all of the amazing things that he's doing. Navy SEALs are amazing leaders. And by the way, congratulations. Um, I believe it's. The books you've written with Brandon Webb are going to be a TV series produced by Mark Harmon? Yeah, pretty cool, huh? Oh, my God. That is just so amazingly awesome. Congratulations, because I know um, it's been a dream of yours. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we can go into a whole other show about the Join Up Dots portion of that. But what would be your advice to somebody who is stepping into a leadership role around the whole concept of collaboration? So, um, yes, uh, I, first off, you're absolutely right. I've, I've done a lot of collaborative things. Again, never planned that or set out to do that, but it certainly has worked out that way, which is a funny thing because I consider myself a, uh, a pretty introverted person. I love time by myself. I'm not the kind of guy who's always in the middle of the party and having time of his life. But it's just I collaborate naturally, and I think it's it's just it's a fun challenge to do. Um, so, advice to people who want to develop leadership. I mean, I guess here are three pieces of three pieces of advice around that. One of them is first off, trust yourself, uh, trust your passion, trust your view, trust your instinct. You've got to trust yourself to be an effective leader. The thing that most often uh, uh, chokes off the aspirations of people who wish they would be writers. I hear this all the time. People say, oh, man, I wanted to write this, or I'd love to be a writer. I had an idea, but I just never... Uh, I hear that a lot. Uh, my observation is what chokes off the aspirations of would-be writers more than anything else is the self-critical voice, the self-editor, uh, the voice that when you write down a, a few sentences says, oh, that's crap, that's no good. Oh, man, I can't... Uh, you write a single page, you go back and change it and change it and change it and change it and then give up and say, this is never going to be any good. We do that in life, too, second-guessing ourselves, not trusting ourselves. To be an effective leader, you've got to, A, trust your voice, trust your instinct. The second piece of advice is to not trust yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, that is to say, not trust yourself entirely. You know, Stephen King said, when you write the first draft of a book, do it with the door closed. When you revise it to the second draft, do it with the door open, meaning when you're first drafting something, don't listen to anybody. Trust yourself. When you're refining it, when you're correcting course, when you're, when you're getting ready to actually implement, uh, go get advice. Be open. Uh, trust the views of others that, that, that deserve the trust. I mean, don't ask anybody, but people whose opinions you trust, go listen. And even if you get hard critique... The second thing that stymies would-be writers is inability to take hard critique. You've got to be able to take the uh, the viewpoint of people who disagree with you. And I think that's one of the critical pieces of being an effective leader, is being able to openly, without rancor, without uh, 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 clenching your stomach, listen to people you trust tell you, no, nah, I think you're wrong. That's not going to work. Here's a problem. I don't think that works. Uh, I, I go through that with every book I write. Uh, there are passages that I think are just 
you know, the best thing I've ever written. And somebody I trust will say, you know what, that's no good. And they're right. (laughs) (laughs) So trust yourself. Number two, don't trust yourself. That is to say, stay open to cogent advice of the people close around you. Um, And the third is to always be looking to replace yourself. Always be looking for others that you can promote, that you can build up into leadership positions, that you can have um, step into your footsteps and do your job better than you do it. Always be looking for, uh, on the lookout for talent, skill, passion, heart, vision, uh, all these great attributes in other people that can take your dream even farther than you could take it on your own. Because we're all going to shuffle off this mortal coil one way or the other sooner or later. And, and you know, to me, the greatest accomplishment of a leader is to build up and effectively promote other leaders who will take their work and take it further. And, and even forgetting about legacy and you know, decades from now, on a day-to-day basis, approaching it with that attitude from that perspective makes you a more effective associate, a more effective leader, a more effective whatever you're doing. Um, in the context of other of other people. Well, that sounds suspiciously like the last two keys, which are stand for something and practice giving leadership. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you didn't even connect the dots on that at that moment, but that's... Well, number four. So number four is, uh, you know, the first three, again, were, were, were hold division, which is the big view, build your people, which is the, the fabric, and uh, do the work. You know, grasp the nuts and bolts. Don't don't be afraid to be the one sweeping the floor after the meeting is over. Um, number four is simply called stand for something. And in the book, we write a lot about character and, and what that means, what creates character. Um, one of the characters in the book says that character is what happens when life scratches itself onto your soul, meaning that, uh, you know, to put it bluntly, every one of us has, has suffered and suffers. We've all got difficult things that happen in our lives. You, you, know, you can't reach the age of, of 18 or even the age of five, really, without having suffered through, through, through difficulties, large or small. And it shapes you, shapes who you are, it shapes your character. It, it, it deepens your sense of empathy. The, the idea of number four is that beyond talent, beyond skill, beyond ability, beyond all of the sort of technical attributes that make you qualified for your post, there's underneath all of that the question of who you are, what you stand for, um, what you believe. Um, and that that, even though it's not something that we typically put a dollar value on or describe in a job description, that's what people are looking for. Even when they don't know it, that's what people, that's what, you know, if employers are hiring, they're looking for character, even if they don't know they're looking for character, um, particularly in, in positions of leadership. Um, and character is a difficult thing to define in many ways, but you know it when it's there and you know it when it's flawed. Uh, there are, you know, you have to be flexible in, in many, many ways to survive in, in business or any enterprise. But there are also some things that you won't compromise on, some places you, where you won't bend. Um, some things that you stand firm on. And those often end up defining the business or the organization or the group or, or whatever it is that you're leading. And those are those, you know, will typically become questions of character. Those are what we remember of great leaders in history books. Those are what impress us in great leaders in, in businesses 
all around us today, uh, even you know the local coffee shop or the laundromat or whatever. And that's a perfect um, so, way to go into our last commercial break, talking about character. And we'll be right back with more from John David Mann. John, you were talking about the fourth key, which is stand for something. And in the book, Karen asks Ben what he stands for in context of people will only trust someone when they know where he stands and what he stands for. I've been waiting to ask you this question. I believe I know it, but I want to hear it. What do you stand for? <laughs> that seems entirely unfair. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I've known you for years, but I've never actually yeah. asked you that question. I would say uh, my first answer is excellence. Um, I, I have always wanted to take a stand for for sort of the purity and, and beauty of doing something in the most excellent way possible, um, excellence and, and beauty. Uh, and I guess this, I would also put together with that uh, love. It's maybe a truism, but uh, love is the force in my mind that makes things work, and absence of it is what makes things not work. Um, so I guess excellence maybe is sort of love manifest in form, but uh, yeah, that's I've always been a real stickler for the the gorgeous beauty of of something just done beautifully well, the excellence of something, and uh, those are my those are my right and left hands, excellence and love. I would add respect into that for you because one of the things I, I love about you is you respect people where they're at, wherever they're at, whatever's going on for them. You hold that respect and their love and excellence in it, but you hold that respect for their process. And, well, and that's, their a, that's a lovely idea, and you know, I I see that you're right. I hadn't thought of that, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up for that. <laughs> you already did a long time ago. <laughs> the fifth key that we had already talked about was practice giving leadership, and this is a slightly different take on it. But what is your daily practice? Because I think to me, learning your daily practice would show me in a very concrete way, some ways that you are practicing giving leadership. And and it's your own daily practice as well, giving leadership to yourself. You know, I, it's interesting because my, my, my everyday life, you know, what my actual physical day looks like, is it's, it's taken up mainly with, the, with just a few things. It's with the writing process that I'm engaged in, which is, in a sense, solitary, because I do it by myself. Although, as you pointed out, I'm always in some kind of collaboration. So I'm always bouncing off somebody else's content or ideas or life experience or what have you. Um, the second thing is, is correspondence. I do a lot of correspondence with other people. I, I don't talk on the phone much except for right now, but I spend a, a good chunk of every day interacting with people by, by correspondence, whether it's writers looking for advice or people like yourself that I know interacting with or Bob or another co-author going back and forth with. Uh, and third is, is interacting with, with my wife, who's my best friend, my life partner, and it's uh, just as huge a part of my day as, as anything could be. And in all three of those, what I do is I look for places where I leave myself open to ideas I hadn't thought of, opinions that hadn't occurred to me, um, places where I'm learning something or finding something out. or You know, it's kind of like the interaction with, with the other 
in all those cases is what keeps me from becoming a stale version of myself. <laughs> How do you build that into your day? Uh, you just have to have the intention. Um, okay. I think the intention of, of, of doing it. I mean, are, do, are you asking me how I, how I do it personally? Yeah, I mean, are, are, I know you meditate. I know you do things yeah. like that. But it sounds like this intent of knowing, of, of opening to it, it's not, oh, I do this at a set time. It sounds like it's something that you're just open to throughout the day. So you're creating somehow quiet moments for yourself throughout yeah. the day. Yep. It is. It's it's a sort of a constant cycle of going back and saying, okay, you mean you can get you get you get uh, uh, you know caught up frenetically caught up in the particulars of the task you're doing, whether it's writing something or, or you know whatever. And it's a question of only stopping, as you say, taking a breath. It's it's almost like meditation in the moment. Uh, stop. Let go of your perspective and just say, okay. What's the world around? What's the world around me saying to me right now? You know, my view has has come to be, and it wasn't always this way. When I was young and arrogant, it wasn't this way. But my my point of view is, the universe knows me better than myself. Um, I, it, and, and you know, nobody knows what you want to do better than you do, except for the rest of the universe. So whether it's correspondence, whether it's interacting with my wife, whether it's it's you know working on a book. It's a question of stopping and saying, okay, here's what I'm thinking right now. What is the universe in whatever form telling me that I hadn't thought of? Oh, I love that question. Can you say that one more time? Because that's a total tweetable moment. Any listeners out there, tweet that out. Say it one more time, Joan. Yeah, what is the universe in any form? And that's important because it, it doesn't mean the cosmos necessarily. You know, the universe could be my dog. The universe could be a sentence. The universe could be, uh, uh, you know, something that broke in the house. It could be anything. What is the universe in any form telling me right now that I didn't know? That's so beautiful. So, John, how can people get in touch with you? Because I've had a number of emails from people saying they, they want to find out more about you and they want to get a copy of the book. Sure. Uh, easiest is my website. I make my. I mean, I have a Facebook page and I do Twitter, but I don't do either of them much. I really my 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 website is my hub. So it's simply johndavidman.com, and it's man with two ends. Johndavidman.com. Um, I own that. I have, I have my blog. I blog every Tuesday. I have all my books and a good amount of material, sample chapters, and everything on every book. And uh, people can use the contact me form, and they can contact me, and I will be contacted. It goes to me, and I answer. There's, I don't have a staff who answers any of that stuff for me, so it's just me. And you do comment. I know that. John, if you, put a, if you put a comment on John's blog about any post, he will comment back himself. <laughs> I love that about you. And also, I'm john at johndavidman.com. Okay, and where can, where can they find your book? Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, independent bookstores, anywhere greater books are sold. Uh, and it's, you know, I've got all the links to all the purchase spots right there on my website, johndavidman.com. And for all, I have a lot of international listeners as well. I, has this been translated yet into other languages? Uh, or soon to way, be? I, have book, I, have, I also have book depository links on my website because that, that, that uh, company services, you know, all over the globe. Uh, the Go-Giver Leader is not out yet in any other languages uh, because it's only just come out in English. 
foreign editions are coming soon. I don't remember which language is right now, but they're they're coming and and they'll uh, they'll all be on my website as they're available. I'm really really scrupulous about getting all foreign translations listed on my website as soon as they're available. Okay, so everybody go to John David Mann with two N's, M A N N dot com, and uh, sign up for his blog because it's one of my favorite times of the week. Any uh, last thought, John, to leave the audience with? <laughs> um, gosh, I already gave my last thought. Rats. Um, but I'll give it again, which is that uh, nobody knows your path in life, your destiny in life, what you're here to do better than you do, except for the rest of the universe. Except for the rest of the universe. That's beautiful. Thank you for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, it's always so much fun. So everybody, The Go-Giver Leader, a little story about what matters most in business by Bob Berg and John David Mann. Grab your copy today anywhere books are sold and tweet out to at the Laura Stewart and also at John David Mann what your best what your questions are about the five keys to legendary leadership. Are you holding the vision, building your people, doing the work, standing for something, and practicing giving leadership? For me, I would love to know what you stand for, my wonderful listeners out there. We know what John stands for, but what do you stand for? So let me know. And remember, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? And if you're not sure, just tweet out to me, or better yet, call me. Email me, laura at laurastewart.com, and let me help you ask the right questions so you can move forward and be the legendary leader that you are. See you next week when we join up dots with the incomparable David Ralph. Listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.